Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you're wearing your maroon today. And how great is it that we live in a country that we can celebrate Maroon Friday however we choose. I'm repping maroon. I hope you are as well. So you can rep the brand, let everybody know where you stand. When it comes to college athletics, as you guys know, Mississippi State is the premier athletics department and programs in the Magnolia State. Please show your pride by wearing maroon and white. A lot going on is these days, as you can imagine, a lot, a lot going on. A couple of things I want to get to uh, pretty early in the show. Have you seen this about Dak? Yeah, a lot of people have read this about, uh, there was these rumors that kind of circulated, you know, Dak Prescott's uh, contract negotiations with the Cowboys has at times, I guess, appeared a little bit uh, contentious. I don't know that, you know, all the, the, the behind the scenes stuff, but uh, it feels like they should have been able to get a deal done. You know, Dak, of course, bet on himself, and then the Cowboys franchise tagged him. Uh, I don't know that he has signed the franchise tag tender. I don't believe that is the case. But um, he will either play this year under the franchise tag or with a long-term deal. Now, yesterday, some reports began making the rounds that Dak had turned down an unbelievable contract one that would have made him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. Now, of course, that'll last about 15 minutes, you know, because once, uh, once he signs, there'll be some other people that sign extensions right behind him. But no matter where he ranks on the NFL salaries list, Dak Prescott is about to bring in some major, major, major bank. And so the rumor yesterday is that uh, Dak rejected a deal or he wanted a deal to give him $45 million in the final year of that deal. And that's probably, you know, a year that will never happen. What I mean by that is, is, you know, usually, usually when you have a franchise quarterback, you don't, you don't let it get that late. Or they restructure their deal uh, to provide some salary cap room to bring in free agents around them, to put them in a position to go compete for Super Bowls and things of that nature. But shortly after this, this thing, what was it, you know, five years, $145 million? And anywhere close to that is, uh, is incredible. Dak Prescott and his agent and reps from Dallas Cowboys said that that wasn't true, that that, that contract wasn't extended. And uh, so things continue to go. So there are a lot of Bulldog fans out there that say, well, Dak just signed the deal because they're afraid the Cowboys will move on from him. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. The Cowboys aren't just going to move on from him. They understand the value that Dak brings. And listen, I, listen, Dallas Cowboys Twitter would lead you in a different direction. One of the most miserable fan bases I think I've ever seen. Uh, it, no, no matter how well things go, they're always complaining. It's, it's insane. I know many of you, I, 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 listen, I did not know much about Dallas Cowboys Twitter until Dak joined the program over there. And uh, it's almost like they love to hate the Cowboys. And it's not just Dak, even though Dak's the quarterback, so obviously he's the most visible. But it doesn't matter. Everybody gets a turn. But uh, be that as it may, Cowboys want to lock up Dak. And I understand it's really about the years. If they've offered Dak a four-year deal, he wants a five-year deal. So they will get a deal done. It's just a matter of time. Now, people say, well, Steve, when's it going to run out? Well, the deadline is the 15th of July. We're we're approaching Memorial Day weekend. So you got, you know, you got – you still got some time, you know, about six, seven weeks or so, and they'll get it done. And it's, here's what usually happens with the Cowboys. If, if you have kept up at all with their um, contract negotiations, 
is they take a hard line, and then in the end, they generally end up giving the players what they want. And so they've kind of set a precedent in that respect. You remember, you know, Zeke sat out for a while, you know, and he finally got his money. Uh, and so now Dak will get his. And then they're, they're going to lock up Cooper, and it's going to be, they're going to have their triplets, a new generation of triplets. But Dak's closer. But the, the initial reports yesterday, and I saw so many people out there that ran with it, because why wouldn't you, right? I mean, when reputable news organizations report these things, you, you, you'd like to think that what they're reporting is completely accurate. And so it appears at this point that those details about that contract were not accurate, but uh, there will be a massive deal signed by Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys somewhere in the near future. Also, another thing to keep up with today – Today is May 22nd. You know, we were uh, – we can't have SEC meetings and all that kind of stuff. They still plan to do media day. However, uh, the SEC presidents are going to vote today about when to bring players back. And so there has – you know, the NCAA has kind of cleared the road a little bit to allow schools and conferences to go ahead and begin bringing players back. So June 1st is the first allowable date, and you know today is the 22nd, so that, that's going to turn over real pretty quick. And so here's what will happen once they get that settled, okay? The SEC is going to vote to bring them back either the 1st or 15th. If I had to call it, I would say probably the 1st. You're not starting practice. You're just allowing players to return, and it's not just football players. It's really everybody that, that's involved uh, that has, you know, summer workouts and things of that nature. So that's basketball, every, everybody. So – Every allowable and permissible sport will, will be back on campus and begin their, uh, their drills. Now, there will be some restrictions and some changes to the protocol of how things have been done uh, for some time. One of the things that I've heard is they may go back to the old, old school outdoor workouts. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, the, the outdoor lifts that there are some schools considering, you know, having, you know, just an army of people. Uh, assemble those uh, workout stations outside to have an open air lift. There are other schools that are going to have these, uh, you know, 24-hour uh, disinfectant spray machines. But the very first thing you should expect, you know, once they'll, they'll take the next week, the, the vote will be settled today, and then they'll kind of take the next week or so and kind of prepare the facilities for the return of players. You know, I'm sure there's already been a ton of work already uh, for some of that. But, you know, many of these staffers have not been on campus, you know, because you remember the SEC and NCAA kind of suspended activities. And so as a result, there hadn't been a lot of people on campus kind of doing things to prepare the facilities for the return of players. So that'll happen. But it's going to be strength and conditioning stuff first. And that's how it should be. It's not like we're going to get back and we're going to start practice. And the first thing that everybody always says is, well, Steve, what about, you know, spring practices? Well, we have some extended practices for the fall. Nothing's been approved yet. Nothing's been settled yet. But I believe so. As I said on Bo Bound show yesterday, Nick Saban had suggested something several weeks back, and Saban generally has a pretty good pulse on things, that perhaps we'll do in, in July, maybe have, uh, you know, some practices in shells. Just allow them to play some seven-on-seven seven football, just get guys out there to kind of get their legs back under them, kind of have some walk-through practices and things of that nature. Uh, and I could see that happening. And again, that's not official yet. That's not, nobody has made a decision about any of that stuff. But I think that's probably the best course of action. You get your strength and conditioning people back. You get guys back into better physical shape. They've been working out. They haven't just been sitting at home, you know, eating, eating Cheetos and playing PlayStation. They've been working out. But there's a different level of intensity when you've got 
your strength and conditioning staff kind of kind of setting the pace for you. So they'll go through all of that, and then I think that you probably put yourselves in a position where you have some semblance of a spring practice without hitting. Because I think the last thing that anybody wants is to get into fall camp and have guys that have not put on a pair of shoulder pads. And there are a lot of schools that, that haven't had any spring practices, Mississippi State being one of them. I know Ole Miss had a couple. Uh, you know, Some schools are a little more extensive than that. But by and large, many of these players have not put on a shoulder pad and helmets and struck another player since a bowl game or the end of the regular season. And so that's a long layoff. And so there, there needs to be this, you know, kind of ramping up of activity before we get into the season because I'm afraid what would happen is if we just get right into the season to go full bore uh, in fall camp, you're probably going to see a rash of injuries just because of the fact there are a lot of people that just, you know, they haven't exercised or worked with the same intensity that they normally would under the direction of your strength and conditioning staff and then your coaching staff during spring practice. And so it's going to take some time to get these guys back into football shape. So the vote is today. I'm sure it will be announced later today, and then we'll have – and this is a huge step. There are so many people that have been waiting around, uh, waiting for something big to happen in relation to college sports. And, and I have said all along, we're going to play football this fall. And I still believe that some of the decisions we made early on were a little bit premature. But as, what is the phrase that everybody's using due to an abundance of caution? You know, an abundance of caution. Uh, you know, they took some time off. So now we prepare to get players back on, the, on campus and prepare them to play football. What that looks like is something we'll have to discuss uh, probably later in the summer. I want to thank our good friends, Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. They're back. They're open there's a little bit of uh, you know restriction, I guess, as far as seating. Matter of fact, I ate at a local restaurant yesterday, and every other table is kind of blocked off. And so that's something we're going to have to get used to for a while. I know some other places or uh, other states are expanding to 75% capacity here in the next week or two. But you can go in now, and you can dine at Bulldog Burger Company. But if you're not comfortable doing that, you can always take the food to go. There are a lot of people who have kind of gotten in the habit of doing that. Bulldog Burger Company has become experts in handling curbside service and that sort of stuff but you go about two locations now to serve you right here on university drive in stark vegas that's the flagship of the bulldog burger rising empire or you can go to gloucester street there in tupelo mississippi two locations to serve you great food great prices great service a great restaurant quality hamburger right here mississippi made bulldog burger company the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's get into this Jari and Jones thing. Let's unpack a couple things here, and a lot of you guys are waiting for that. Here's what I have learned as of late. And so Jari and Jones, as you guys know, this has been something that has been in the headlines most of the week. I guess some of us kind of knew what was happening on Monday, and then obviously I broke the news on Tuesday. But, you know, this has been in kind of been in the chatter for much of the week. So – what I was told late yesterday is that Jarian Jones and his family both remain in contact with Mississippi State coaches and staffers, and that there remains a possibility that he will remove his name from the portal. I know some other people have suggested you know, that Oregon might be a good fit for him, and as I said on, on the radio on a couple of occasions yesterday, I don't think people really underappreciate how strong the relationship that Jarian has with Joe Moorhead. Joe and Jarian, very, very close. You know, people forget, you know, go back and look at the Twitter exchanges those two guys had uh, publicly. And, uh, you know, I was I was there when they had the, uh, you know, the video feature and everything and, and Jari and, uh, you know, they're ringing the cowbells and all that kind of stuff. And, 
you know, Joe and Jari and, you know, they're, they're very, very close. I mean, they call each other brother and that sort of stuff. And so Jari was a big part of the Mississippi State recruiting efforts that year. And so Joe really relied on him. And then, of course, Jari plays as a freshman. And so that relationship, I think, is very significant. Now, if I'm being honest, I don't think Jari goes all the way to Oregon. I think Jari will stay in the South. I know he's spoken recently on Twitter about having a good conversation with Mike Norvell at Florida State. That makes perfect sense. And I've had some other people say, hey, listen, if, if Florida State could add a talented defensive back, they absolutely would. That they've got room for him and uh, could use the help. But in the end, I think this is going to boil down to one or two things. Either he is going to remain in the portal and likely transfer to Ole Miss, or he's going to remove his name from the portal and come back to Mississippi State. Now, you've seen some of the players from Mississippi State have some varying reactions on Twitter about this. You know, Marcus Murphy was out there saying, you know, why leave? You know, we're supposed to do all this stuff together. And I've seen Cameron uh, Threat and others have kind of interacted with Jari. And, and then you know, I've seen Errol Thompson, some other guys, you know, calling him a drama queen, that sort of stuff. And so there has been some some camaraderie and esprit de corps stuff that spilled over. And there's some other things that people have kind of got involved in. And, uh, you know, I've always said I think it's best for, for the, you know, for the adults to let the young people speak among themselves. A lot of times people get in there and want to interject themselves into those conversations. But uh, it is very much apparent to me, based on conversations that I have had, that the door for Jari and Jones to return to the Mississippi State team is absolutely wide open. Now, I don't think Mike Leach and the staff are going to go beg him to come back. But I think they will certainly add him back, and I don't think this is something where you know there's like retribution or anything like that. I mean, listen, if he does return to the team, I mean, Jarian probably has you know probably has to take some steps and probably to apologize to uh, you know some members of the team or whatever. But listen, uh, that's part of the deal. It's part of growing up, you know. But kids are resilient, I, and I hate to call them kids because most of these guys are old enough to go serve in the service and defend our country. My point being is that you know. Marcus Murphy and those guys are not going to hold a grudge against Jari and Jones. I know some of our fans might. You know, sometimes our fans wear their their feelings on their sleeves just a little bit much. But uh, but Jari and Jones, very talented player. This is a guy that was fired up about Mississippi State. That's what makes this all so you know so distressing is the fact that this is a guy that was very instrumental in Mississippi State's recruiting efforts, very involved with uh, Mississippi State's season last year. But they'll settle all that stuff in the locker room. You know, but everybody just needs to kind of you know, give this situation a chance to breathe a little bit. Just give this a chance to breathe. Now, what I'm told is that uh, Jarian plans to take the weekend, kind of think about things, talk about things with his family, and then make a decision early next week. Uh, you know, because, listen, that's the thing, too, with this report date stuff. You know, if they're going to open this thing up and players can report on June 1st, I mean, you know, this guy's got to get to work, right? So – this, this is not going to linger on for much longer. So just kind of be mindful of that. A lot of people are wondering, well, what about the rest of it? I, I, that all kind of remains to be seen. You know, we'll just give some time for them to collect data and, and collect information to kind of see what happens. But uh, right now the primary concern is what's Jarian Jones going to do? I want to say something, too, about that, too. I think a lot of people – there are a lot of people out there that uh, they have this alternative view of facts – and so I want to address a couple things about that as well. So the Fabian Lovett and Jari and Jones situations are not related. 
they're, they're not the least bit related. It's two different players, two different sets of circumstances, two decisions that were made at two different times, two different sets of facts. You know, Jari and Jones made this decision here in the last few days. You know, Fabian Lovett, I'll be honest with you, you know, and we've talked about this on the show, Fabian Lovett's talked about transferring multiple times over the course of the last year. You, you go back and look at his own Twitter feed, he says, I should have got out of Mississippi when I had the chance. And so this is not a new phenomenon that all of a sudden he just woke up one day and says, you know what, I love it here at Mississippi State, but I just can't stay here anymore. This is something that has been in the thought process for a long time. And so they're not related. It's not like the two of these guys got together and said, okay, let's go do this. That's, that's not true. I mean, that's just simply not it. These are two guys making their own decisions. Uh, and so the circumstances behind both these are completely different, you know, completely different. And it's like one of the things, too, like Peter, even I've seen on some of the – on our message boards, you know, some state fans have tried to kind of lump the two in together and suggest that, uh, that perhaps Fabian Lovett was targeted uh, and probably, you know, maybe some tampering there. I don't suspect there's anything involved in any of that. I, I, I don't. I don't think that there was any outside factors uh, or any other schools or anything like that that pushed the Fabian Lovett stuff at all. I mean, I think this is 100% his decision. I think it is a, a product of the coaching change. Uh, and I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, he just needs a fresh start. And I, and I think Fabian Lovett's a very good player. And so this is not a situation where – you know, a lot of people – it's like the, the ex-girlfriend thing. People would say, well, you know, those kids weren't that good. That's, that's not true. That's just two four-star kids that both played a lot of snaps for Mississippi State last year. And you really – people say it's like this next man mentality. Oh, next man up. Well, that sounds cute. But when the next man behind him is not quite as talented, you know, you're, you're going to feel the growing pains of all of that. And so, uh, it, it's, again, it's very important, you know, for people to just kind of give the situation a little opportunity to breathe here. Uh, Fabian Lovett's not coming back. I don't think there's a real possibility that happened at all. I mean, I guess crazier things have happened, but I have not heard anything to suggest that Fabian Lovett is still considering Mississippi State or that he has even at any point considered taking his name out of the portal. But there is the possibility of Jari and Jones returning. And uh, one of the things I want to say, too, and I mentioned some of this on on, uh, Wednesday show, is, you know, these fans that get out here and they tweet at kids and say, you know, hey, good riddance, and when I'm not going to worry about you or whatever. Listen, that's wrong. That's a bad look for Mississippi State. It's a bad look for you. It's a bad look for the Bulldog family. Because, you know, number one, we don't want to have this this whole sour grapes thing anyway. You know, that's the thing. It's it's aggravating at times. It's like some of these young men will put out something on Twitter – and then we have uh, some fans that respond to it. I know, you know, Colin Hill is one of those guys that, uh, you know, Colin almost has like a, you know, a stream of consciousness on social media, kind of anything that's like kind of on his mind, he'll go ahead and put it out there on Twitter. And a lot of times it won't be anything related to football. I mean, he has laughed about that before and has kind of chuckled with some of us about, you know, he'll tweet out some song lyrics and the next thing you know, some people think he's transferring. You know, it's just, it's, it's one of those wild things. And uh, I've joked about this before. There are a lot of grown folks that are not mature enough to follow teenagers and, and young 20-year-olds on, on Twitter. And so don't think everything is about football. Don't think everything is about you. There are some times that these young men tweet things out there that are completely personal and of no consequence to Mississippi State or to you. You know, they may have, they may have had a bad exam. They may have had uh, – a diff- may have had a difficult stretch, you know, with uh, with school or whatever, or may have had a bad practice. I mean, you just never know. But it's not anything that you need to react to. You don't have to react to everything. 
And then there's all these people that, uh, some of my favorite people on Twitter, and I use that term, you know, with Dr. Evil quotes, favorite. Hey, man, do what's best for you, fam. Are you kidding me? Man, he's not your family, and I don't, he don't want to be your family, and I don't blame him. Don't contact those kids. Like, it's so, you, you think, oh, well, I, well, I was going to do what was worse for me. But since you, Mr. John Q. Twitter guy, do what's best for you, you're not, you don't mean that. You don't mean that. You mean to tell me, so like if so th- these state Ole Miss Twitter people, so it's like, hey, you do what's best for you. I'm going to support you either way. And if they pick the other school and score the game, win a touchdown and an egg ball, you're going to support that? You, that's disingenuous, man. Get out of here with that. It's just not right. It's not right. I mean, that's, that's, that stuff drives me insane. It really does. And that's may not, it may be a short drive. I mean, it may be shorter to Tupelo than it is for me to insanity. But it's, it's one of those things, it doesn't help the situation. You know what? When these kids are out there and they score a big touchdown and they're celebrating and you want to go like their tweet or whatever, I mean, hey, that's great. That's what social, social media is for. Get involved in the recruiting process and then, you know, aggravating these kids and, uh, and, and kind of going at them and offering your opinion to their performance and stuff. I mean, you know, listen, it's one thing for you to do that on a message board. It's one thing to get out there and say, you know what, I don't think the kid played very well. That's one thing. It's another thing to go tweet at the kid and say, hey, listen, you stink. Happens all the time. And, so, and, that, and we've seen the best and worst of Twitter this week. And Twitter sometimes is like, you know, it's – Twitter can be a cesspool because there's a lot of people out there that get back out there and they want to they want to get some internet cred, look good to their friends, or whatever, and so they'll they'll say something about a kid or a person or whatever that they would never say to their face. And there's some people who say, well, I would say it. Yeah, you'd probably say it across a crowded room, but it's just it doesn't make any sense to get out there and be critical of these young men, whether you agree with their decisions or not. Let's not forget they're people. They're not just characters in a play. Or, you know, just graphic figures in a video game. You know, these are real people that have real families that have real problems. And for many of these young people, they're making very difficult decisions with a lot of people, a lot of people in their ears. And the last thing they need is some negativity. I just think it's best just leave all that alone. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not. I want to remind you, our good friends at Hawthorne. Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. Longtime sponsors of the show. We got them back. They're going to be with us the rest of the year. So we'll be smelling good all the way through football season, all the way to Christmas, baby. So you need to smell good, too. Everybody around you, it's, it's about to be summer. We're going to be sweating a lot more. It's going to take a little more of an effort on our part to make sure that we, hey, that we, we look and smell good. So visit them, again, at Hawthorne.co and take the quiz. Nobody ever told you how to buy cologne. You just kind of went along with what everybody else had. Oh, well, so-and-so bought this, or I saw that on television, or this is what my old man always had. It's what you got. You've probably been buying the wrong clone your whole life. I was. Let me encourage you, go to hawthorne.co, take the quiz, and then what they will do is they'll take that quiz, your answers to that quiz, they'll match you up based on your preferences with the scents that best fit you. You're going to be amazed at how much better things go. Trust me. We'll give you a little incentive. Use the Boneyard promo code. They'll save you a little cash on your very first order. And if you want to, you can set up replenishing shipments. You can get you can get body lotion. You can get shampoo, conditioner. You get body wash. You get facial wash. You get anything that you need to feel good and look good when it comes to men's health. So again, that's Hawthorne.co. H-a-w-t-h-o-r-n-e.co. 
promo code Boneyard. So, top 10 list. And I had so many people reach out to me about, uh, Steve, I really do want to know your top 10 Madonna songs. And I don't know if you're trolling me or not, or if you're really into Madonna. I'm not going to do that today. We might do it a little bit later. And I told you I almost did a Ralph Macchio movies, but I, it was such a stretch. I couldn't find 10 that I really liked. And so I'm like thinking, hey, did I see that? Was that pretty good? You know, but the number one Ralph Macchio movie is Crossroads. No, it's not. It's Karate Kid. I'm a big Jamie Gertz fan. I think I told you. So let's get into today's top tens list. And I apologize to this individual because I don't, I don't remember if I got the message on Twitter or Facebook or on Gene's page because it's been that kind of week. And so if I don't share your name, you know who you are. And, and you know, before I, before I forget, I want to I I kind of send out the bat signal here. One of the Boneyard listeners met me at, um, I guess it was Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson at the Trademark. I was signing Stark Villains books, and you came up and you gave me your business card, and we talked about the game of change and some documents that your family had about all of that. Well, I have rearranged, we have rearranged this house here in the last two weeks, and I lost your business card. So if you will contact me, you can email me at srobertson.jeanspage.com or my DMs are open on all forms of social media. Uh, I want to connect with you again because I do want to get those documents and use them in the next book, and I will certainly give you credit for it. But I, I, I apologize for having to use this format. But I lost your business card. I know that your dad was very instrumental in all that stuff, and I want to make sure that he gets credit for that. I've recently written that chapter, and I want to use those documents if you're still willing to share them. So, again, find me, and I'm happy to do it. So, with no further ado, here's our top ten list for today. Again, this gentleman, I don't, I don't remember your name. I apologize. I'll try to be better prepared, but I'm getting ready to leave town, so I wanted to make sure that I got to show up before I left. Top ten list today. Top ten Duran Duran songs. Everybody has one. I was probably a Duran Duran fan much longer than most of you because there was that phase there in the late 80s, early 90s, and I was really kind of into synth pop and club music and things like that. That's before I really got into grunge again. Um, So my top ten, here's a few honorable mentions. Uh, The first honorable mention goes to Wild Boys, and I'll be honest with you, Ed Orgeron kind of ruined that for me. Wild Boys is always kind of cool. It's a cool video, but I can't hear that song without thinking about Ed Orgeron. You know, the whole thing when he got to Ole Miss and like, ripped his shirt off and dared people to fight him. And it's so funny in hindsight now that Ed Orgeron was almost like a caricature and kind of a punchline in SEC coaching, and now that guy's got a national championship. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it, it, is, it is really. They wrote – Bruce Feldman wrote that, um, that book loosely based on historical facts with the uh, meat market. But – the Ed Orgeron movie is going to be incredible, man. Whenever, whenever they get the time to do that and they tell the story of Ed Orgeron's life, the Wild Boys chapter is going to be one that everybody kind of snickers at. But when you look back in hindsight, Ed Orgeron had the last laugh, man. Incredible. Number nine on the list. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Honorable mentions. Is There Something I Should Know? I think that's a great track. It's underappreciated. I, I want to say it's a top ten hit on Billboard. New Moon on Monday, kind of an obscure hit for them. It was a radio play, but it didn't get the airplay as many of their bigger hits. So here we go. Number ten. From the later part of the catalog, um, you know, when they were still a five-piece, is All She Wants Is. That was one of their big dance songs. That's when uh, Nick Rhodes was uh, really kind of experimenting with the Synclavier. For those of you who don't know, it was revolutionary. 
I think Martin Gore from Depeche Mode and um, and Nick Rhodes from from Duran Duran were two of the first people, kind of commercially, to use the Synclavier uh, as a keyboard. And it, the sample time on it was better; it was cleaner, and uh, they were able to do some very innovative things. And so, this, the all she wants phase, all of that is around when Nick is really kind of maturing as an artist. Number nine, save a prayer. It's a great song. Go listen to it today. Number eight, off the wedding album, a huge hit for them. Come undone. And uh, that's been remade and covered by a few people. It's not as good as the original. I thought Simon LeBond's uh, vocals on that album were the, perhaps the best in his career. Number seven, Union of the Snake. A, a wild song. A little more rocky for them. Number six, probably number one on a lot of people's lists. Not for me. The video kind of gets on my nerves. Um, it's very 80s, but it's Rio. Uh, Rio is a great song, but there are so many other songs that I like more. And I think Rio has kind of been overplayed. I think there, you can get deeper in the catalog and have some better tracks and add some real variety. I might listen to Duran Duran today. Number five was a number one hit for a long time on uh, both the MTV video charts and the Top 40 Countdown. That's the Reflex. Really, really love that song. Uh, I don't know that uh, a lot of people listen to that and think, well, that's a you know, that was one of their bigger hits. It actually was. Commercially, it did very, very well. Number four, perhaps my favorite song of the later portion of their catalog. You know, they, they have had some albums in recent years. I, I've listened to them all. I'm just not as impressed with those. But Notorious. I think Notorious uh, was really a step in the right direction. They were kind of moving from that mid-'80s into... You know, some really innovative things, and uh, I think Notorious was a step in the right direction. Really, really like that song. Number three, probably a lot of people's first, first exposure to Duran Duran is Hungry Like the Wolf. Hungry Like the Wolf. Hungry Like the Wolf. Yeah, I really like that song. It's, uh, it really shows some diversity, too. They use a little guitar in there, you know, and so... Probably a breakthrough hit for them. People would say Rio. I think Hungry Like the Wolf. You know, Girls on Film and Planet Earth, those were pretty good. But I think what really made Duran Duran a, a, a huge band early was the Hungry Like the Wolf video on MTV. I think people realized, you know what, these guys are pretty cool. People started wearing their hair differently because of Duran Duran. When Simon LeBon and, and Andy Taylor and those guys, Nick Rhodes, the people, people began to wear their hair different because of Duran Duran. Number two from the James Bond soundtrack of the same name, A View to a Kill. I think Nick Rhodes' work on this is incredible, and it, it so fits the Bond movie theme. It's so mysterious, and uh, go if you watch that video, you know they kind of put parts of the movie in the video, and uh, Duran Duran guys are kind of the heroes and thing, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's very 80s. It's kind of cheesy, but I'll tell you, the track itself is great. You know, I, I love the keys on this. It's just one of those songs that I, I think is definitive, Duran Duran but in my mind the greatest Duran Duran song of all time and I guess because maybe it has some real personal feelings to me because not long after I got sober you know one of my goals in life was I didn't want my neighbors to know that I was a drug addict or an alcoholic you know because back when I was in active addiction you know back in the uh, the early 90s 91 uh, everybody on my street and in my apartment complex everybody knew you know, there was always a party there. There was always trouble there. There was always something going on. 
And so I rented this house on North 34th Avenue in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And one of my goals is I didn't want anybody in the neighborhood to know that I was any different from them. I just wanted to get up and go to work every day, stay clean, stay sober, go to my AA meetings, and stay out of trouble. And so Ordinary World became a hit right around that time. And that song, even now when I listen to it, I remember those days and how much I just wanted to have a regular life. You know, I just wanted to be regular. I didn't want all the drama that goes with, uh, you know, with the party lifestyle and that sort of stuff. I was just kind of done with all of that. And so this is when Duran Duran kind of got going again. They had kind of taken a bit of a hiatus and they'd come back. But Ordinary World has been covered by Red and other people. And it's just one of those songs in my mind. I know people are paying tribute to it, but it's one of those things that I, a song I don't think that you that you can mess with. And uh, there, I know a lot of other people that I've shared that when I've spoken about what that song means to me. And a lot of people have said, you know, that they've gone through a divorce or through you know, the death of a loved one or something. And and uh, that the song itself has very special meaning to them. So in my mind, the number one Duran Duran song of all time, without question, is Ordinary World. All right, so I uh, remind you to Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. You can go by and see them. They're open for business, but if you're not comfortable doing that, you can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they will take care of you. They'll treat you like family because in their mind you are family. Simple as that. If you can't make it in again, visit them, campusbookmart.net, and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Mom, Dad, let me remind you, you're going to be taking a beach trip or a Disney World trip or a vacation trip at some point. You're going to get the kids out. Go out, let everybody know that you're a bulldog. Order yourself and the entire family. Some new Mississippi State merch from campusbookmart.net. All right, a couple more things. We didn't get into this, and it's almost disrespectful. And so I want to apologize right now to the family of Reed Byers. We haven't talked about Reed, and this is a very significant commitment for a few reasons, and I want to get into this. You know, Reed Byers really pursued a Mississippi State offer extensively as a junior and senior at Warren Central High School. I was getting ready to cover a Mississippi State women's basketball game and had a chance to meet Reed's dad, who played baseball at Ole Miss, Reed's older brother Talbot, who played football at Ole Miss, and he has another brother, you got to forgive me, I forgot, I don't have the name in front of me, that attended Mississippi State. And you've got Ann Elizabeth that was uh, Miss Mississippi, and she is, she is as beautiful a person inside as she is outside you 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 see the pretty face you think man it's a beautiful girl listen follow her on twitter she is one of the most inspirational and spiritually grounded people uh in uh, in in this area she is wonderful and so it's a great family and reed wanted to play at mississippi state that was what reed wanted to do and his dad said hey listen steve any coverage you could give Reed, anything, any attention that you give Reed, we want you to know as a family we really appreciate this because it is his dream to go play at Mississippi State. Well, Joe Moorhead recruited him. We brought him in for an official visit. We sat him down and said, hey, listen, we're not going to have a scholarship yet. However, if you go to, Jones, go to junior college and work hard, there's a possibility we'll bring you back in a year. If not, we'll continue to evaluate you and then look to sign you in two years. Well, then, of course, Joe Moorhead and that staff's moved on. But now here we are, as fate would have it, 
turning back to read buys. Mississippi State has a couple of offensive linemen in the transfer portal. Brevin Jones moves on. Stuart Reese moves on to the grad transfer. And so you knew Stu wasn't going to be back after this year anyway, even if he returned for his senior season. So long term, you know, you've already probably addressed some of that. But Reed Buys is a 2020 guy. And what I mean by that is, is that Reed Buys will report when the team reports in June. He will be eligible to play this year because Reed Buys was a full qualifier at a high school, went to Jones, not because he had to, but because he needed to to kind of fine-tune his game a little bit and get a little more season. Had a really good year at Jones last year, a really good year. It's a guy that's got to get in the weight room. I'm eager to see what he looks like after, after a year, 18 months with Tyson Brown. Eager to see what he looks like. I mean, honestly. Because he is a guy that comes from a very athletic family. Comes from a family of you know, kind of wide-bodied big men, guys that can play offensive line. You know, again, again, his dad played baseball at Ole Miss. If I'm not mistaken, his mom was the homecoming queen here at Mississippi State. You know, So this is a family that's been somewhat divided, but they're united behind Reed. And then you see that he, when he got his opportunity at Jones, and there's a lot of people out there, and I don't want to be critical of anybody in, in particular, but there are a lot of young people when they go to a junior college, they feel like it's a step down. They think, well, you know, I thought I was going to be playing D1. And then they pout for a year. They pout for a year, and then that second year, they kind of get going and hope to kind of play their way into something. But Reed Bynes didn't do that. Reese didn't pout. He didn't pout. He went to Jones and said, you know, listen, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to embrace the weight room. I'm going to do what they tell me to do. And I'm going to play hard. I'm going to put some things on film, and I'm going to give Mississippi State no option. I'm going to make those guys offer me. And then we've had this attrition on the roster. This is the best thing. This is one of the best things about Mike Leach's decision to keep guys like Rod Gibson and Brad Peterson, those guys, Mike Villagrana, to keep those guys around because all of a sudden you begin to think, okay, well, listen, we have had two guys that were possibly going to play for this year. We knew Stuart Reese was going to play. You know, we thought Brevin Jones would be a depth guy this year. But now all of a sudden, we've had two scholarship guys leave the room. What do we do? How do we help that? How, what can we do? Well, because those guys have been here, because those guys were around and understood Reed Bynes' decision uh, to go to junior college to get some seasoning, said, you know what, hey, let's, let's take another swing at this guy. Well, let's watch film of him. And next thing you know, Mason Miller and Mississippi State offer a scholarship and Reed takes it immediately. And this is a guy, too. Listen, he was getting ready to go back to Jones. That was the plan. Is hey, when do I go back to Aliceville? I'm going to go work hard and just kind of see what happens this year. And then out of the blue, the scholarship offer comes up. And so and now he signed. And I hope to have some comments from Mason Miller early in the week about, uh, you know, about signing him. But this is a guy that I don't know that he makes you better this year. But he probably provides depth this year and then challenges for a position next year. But it is a remarkable story how this, is, this whole turn of events has worked out. But I think this is, again, this is a byproduct of Mike Leach's correct decision to keep the Bulldog recruiting staff in place, the off-the-field staffers, because they have a working knowledge of the talent pool in this state. And you guys know as well as I do, there are – SEC offensive linemen and defensive linemen in the junior college ranks every single year in the state of Mississippi. A lot of those guys are homegrown. A lot of those guys, uh, there's a reason guys go to junior college. More times than not, it's negative. 
You know, sometimes guys don't have the grades. They need to grow up a little bit. There's some guys that perhaps have had some trouble. And there are other guys that need that junior college system because they simply need a little more experience. And that was the case with Reed. He'd played a lot of football, but he just hadn't quite done enough to earn a Power 5 offer. He had some opportunities, but he bet on himself and said, you know what, I'm going to go to junior college and I'm going to show these guys what I can do. And now he's a Mississippi State Bulldog. That is a really cool thing. I, I mean, I'm fired up for the kid. I reached out to him. I said, Reed, I'm really proud for you. I know what this means to you. And, uh, I mean, he's one of those guys. He goes, man, it's all in God's timing. It's all in God's timing. You know, that's the thing. I think in many respects it has made it a better story that he went to junior college. And, and again, another Mississippi junior college success story. Again, from a great family, I could not be happier for a young man because I know what it meant to him. Because all throughout the process, you know, when State was recruiting them, you know, sometimes there would be an ebb and flow with things. He's like, you know, I'm hearing from them, but I, I just don't know, you know, what's going to happen. And, and then they invite him in for the official visit, and you begin to, th- you begin to think, okay, maybe this is going to happen for the kid. And then he leaves there, and it doesn't happen. And, and, and listen, he put on a brave face, and, you know, he said, hey, listen, they got a good plan for me. But I know that he was disappointed. He was incredibly disappointed, but he knew that there was hope. Joe Moorhead gave him hope. And he goes to junior college. He does what he's supposed to do. And now he's headed to Starkville. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Earlier this week, speaking of recruiting, uh, Dave Emmerich tweeted out the, uh, the, you know, a tweet about uh, we're expecting good news for the 2021 class. Paul Jones has been all over this. You know, we, we, we know who the kid is. We're not going to steal his moment. I know people are like, hey, Steve, can you tell us? I'll just tell you, it's, it's a name you know. It's not going to be a, a commitment out of left field. You know, when Cortez Eatman, you know, committed, everybody's kind of like, okay, well, who's this kid? Oh, God, okay, I see his film. He looks pretty good. Not a lot of data out there about him, but, uh, you know, looks to be a good player. The, the, the kid that has committed – is a guy that people are aware of. Now, we're just waiting for him to go public. It's as simple as that. We're not going to steal his moment. There was a time it was a little different. You know what I'm saying? It was like as soon as you got we – I remember before the merger, we were all just so worried about getting beat. You know, it's like if you knew anything, if you knew it for a fact, you reported it. But it's a little different now. You know, we, 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 we want to give the kids a chance to, to announce things in their own timing. It's a little different deal. You know, it's their news to break. And a lot of you guys are thinking, well, Steve, just tell us. Well, you know, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. We're not going to rob the kid of the joy of being able to share that and then pick up a 1,000 followers and all those likes and that kind of stuff. And, again, social media is a big part of our deal. But, uh, you, know, when, when I, you know, when I was with Scout and Paul and them were 247 and, you know, there were a few people that tried to keep the rivals thing alive, at some point there were four different Mississippi State sites. I just didn't feel that, you know, we, we weren't going to wait. You know, we couldn't run the risk of getting beat on stuff. And uh, it's a different day now. And I kind of – I prefer this better. You know, I prefer being able to go to dinner not having to worry, you know, that I'm missing something. You know, because you're always working in our line of work. And I'm not complaining in the least. I love what we do. But uh, I just want to give you guys some assurances. Everything's fine. You know, this kid will announce at some point. We, we hope it will be today. may not be. But at the end of the day, it's not when they announce. It's when they sign. But uh, we're very, very excited. And it's, I looked at the numbers yesterday. You know, when we were at Scout, I used to always joke that, uh, you know, I was a crystal baller. I didn't have a crystal ball, but I was a crystal baller. It was just kind of – it was one of those jokes. But, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I forget to do it. But when I do go put in a crystal ball for a kid, it's because I've got great information. I'm not guessing. I'm not just trying to pick or whatever. There are some times that uh, you get beat on that, you know, and I've kind of learned the nuances of all that and kind of figuring out 
when to do it and how to do it. It's not a competition. You know, they don't they don't send us a T-shirt at the end of the year, you know, saying you were a gold club member of the crystal ball. I mean, it's it's really a tool for us to be able to kind of show you guys how things are trending. It's not a competition, even though at times we get a little competitive. But uh, Paul Jones and I both are 100% right now, 100%. Now, I don't – Paul talks to more kids than I do, so he's going he's gonna to have more crystal ball picks than I'm going to have. But you got to believe when Paul Jones and I both, and there are times we don't even talk until after we've made the picks, it's not like we get together and say, hey, listen, here's what I'm going to pick. Well, here's what I'm going to pick. What do you think? It's very rare that we compare notes. There are a lot of times that we get information on the same day from other sources. And there are other times that he's just a little more comfortable picking a kid than I am. There's sometimes that he may have spoken to the kid and got a different vibe. And so that's what happens. But we take that very seriously. Not because it is a competition, but because we want to give you guys an an accurate portrayal of how we think things are going to play out. And so maybe go look at those crystal balls and see some of the guys we picked. That will give you an idea how things are going. Wrote yesterday about former Diamond Dog Adam Pyatt, and uh, it's really kind of a sad story. If you don't know much about Adam Pyatt, uh, this is a guy that was one of the most promising players in the minor leagues, promising player at Mississippi State. Had a great career at Mississippi State, helped us get to Omaha uh, in 97. Drafted in eighth round by the Oakland A's. I wrote about this yesterday. But uh, was the minor league player of the year in 99. And then in, got bacterial meningitis in 2001 and uh, really took a toll on him. And, uh, you know, he took some shortcuts after that, you know, trying to kind of get back. And, and uh, it's really a cautionary tale. But uh, I don't ever think we should allow, you know, I don't think we should avoid talking about some of our great players you know, because of the fact that some other things might have happened later in their careers. You know, and that was the case with, with Adam Pyatt. You know, Adam ended up being part of the uh, – cooperated with the uh, investigation into uh, HGH and everything. But Adam Pyatt was a great bulldog. Adam Pyatt was a great minor leaguer. And then uh, I don't think that I'm, I'm going to avoid talking about a great player that attended Mississippi State because of a mistake he made a little bit later. I, in my mind, it doesn't taint his legacy. Not for what he did here. And so I'm going to continue to write about our guys. There are some guys like I shared with you guys. The very first uh, <clears throat> Diamond Dog Tales that I wrote was about Dolly Stark, and he got killed in a, you know, in a bar fight, shot and killed in a bar fight in Memphis, you know, long after he'd been a coach at Mississippi State. But, uh, you know, we're going to continue to honor those Diamond Dog heroes, and I hope that you will as well. I have learned so much and uh, gained so much knowledge writing this new book, and I'll be done with, you know, Give me 10 days or so, and I'm going to be done with, you know, with the book for the most part. You know, we're going to go through the edits and kind of gather pictures in the month of June, and we hope to have everything pushed off to print uh, in July. But I've had so many people that have reached out to me and say, hey, Steve, I really like that you're doing all this historical stuff. I like the fact that we're honoring, you know, those bulldogs that a lot of people aren't quite as familiar with. And I'll tell you, I have such a thirst for knowledge. Like, the more that I learn... I'm thinking, okay, well, now I kind of know what, what, what happened with this person. Kind of kind of get a, a good idea of who Pete and Alex Grammas are. But then all of a sudden I look and say, well, okay, well, well look at this guy. Look at his numbers. And uh, there's no shortage of those players in the Mississippi State baseball history. There's no shortage of those players in several sports. As I mentioned on Monday in the game of change, I mean, 
there was so much about that that I didn't know until I actually did the research. Because a lot of people out there that, you know, maybe they write things and they've got budget counts and they cut corners or whatever. And, you know, there's just so much about that game and about those young people that made a very difficult decision that carried them the rest of life. The character built through that carried them to the rest of their life. And I think it just shows how special a moment that was. But uh, I'm honored to bring that stuff to you. I mean, absolutely honored. You know, do it here on the show. We do it on the, on Gene's page. And then, of course, with the new Stark Villains book coming out, you can go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com and get Flim Flam and Stark Villains. And you guys are continuing to do that. I signed some new books yesterday. You can get personalized copies there. You can get signed copies almost anywhere. I think I've signed every one of them. But uh, you can get a personalized copy by going to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And uh, there are a few of you that are getting my books for your birthday and Father's Day. I don't know if you know this. I'm not going to give you your names, but some of you are getting those gifts for your birthday and Father's Day. And I know one person in particular that's getting them as part of an anniversary gift. So uh, those things are happening, and uh, always happy to do that. And it means a lot to me. It really does when people reach out and say, hey, Steve, absolutely love the book, love this chapter. And uh, that's the thing, too, for me. You know, think about a guy like Frank Carolla. You know, Frank was uh, has become a hero to a lot of young people. You know, it's like there were so many young people that I saw this year at Duty Noble when we were still playing baseball. They came up to me and said, hey, I just finished Stark Villains. I'm going to tell you, I love that it. it was great. I never knew all that about Mississippi State. And I would always say, hey, what's your favorite chapter? And I would say nine out of ten of young people would say, I love the one about the guy that flew the plane, that flew the plane over the Egg Bowl. That was back in 1946. And I think to myself, Frank Carolla was a 19-year-old kid himself back in 46, and Frank's still living. Celebrated a birthday a few months ago. And now 19 and 20-year-old kids today, are, he's getting credit with them. And I think that is an amazing thing. It has been my honor to tell these stories, and I plan to tell them from now on. And so I look forward to bringing you guys not just this next book, but the books after that, and the books after that, and the books after that. I plan to stack these things up on you because, again, this is what I am passionate about. And I love being able to tell the Mississippi State story in every format possible, whether it be on this podcast or on the website, on other people's radio shows. Uh, I enjoy being able to be in the know here at Mississippi State. But one of the best things about it is being able to pay tribute to some long-forgotten Mississippi State student-athletes on the men's and women's side that uh, came here and played hard and represented us well when perhaps things weren't quite so good. But that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Monday. Uh, I will probably be late Monday. So I'm going to go ahead and let you know now. And if we bang the show Monday, I'll do it Tuesday. But I plan to do it back on Monday. But it may be late Monday afternoon. So if you don't hear anything, I know today's a little bit early, but if you don't hear anything from me until late Monday, don't panic. Don't think I've been tampered with. I'm on the way back. But uh, it's a holiday, but I'm going to record anyway. But again, I may be a little later today on Monday. You guys take care of yourselves. Enjoy the weekend. And until next time. Let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.